This is the Snug Podcast. In this episode, what Snug wants for Christmas and Spire. What does Snug want for Christmas? We would like as many new members as possible. I like IT that stayed up and was fast. I'd like all the suppliers to deliver what they say when they say it. Uh, I would like for our Spire to work. And what do you really want for Christmas? My Spire to work. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to the next edition of our Snug Podcast. My name's Neil Kelly and I'm a general practitioner in Dumfries and Galloway and one of the co-chairmen of Snug, the Scottish National Users Group. Today, uh, for our Snug podcast, I'm meeting with Keith Moffat. Keith has come to uh, work at ISD and has been quite involved with uh, um, Spire over the last number of years. So thank you very much for agreeing to meet with me today, Keith. Um, perhaps uh, we could kick off just by you telling us a little bit about yourself, about your about your role, about your work. So yeah, I'm a GP in Ayrshire, so I work there part of my time. Uh, I'm also doing a PhD in health informatics at St Andrews um, and then my other part time is uh, as a GP advisor with the NSS and part of that role is as GP clinical lead um, within the uh, ISD primary care programme so that includes Spire as one of the um, services that um, ISD provide to primary care uh, around you know data extraction from general practice. Okay. And so tell us a little bit about what your role with Spire actually involves and what would what, what you do with them. Yeah, so it's mainly around um, sort of the, the means of like clinical leadership and governance. So it's around um, planning uh, what would be useful for users, so GPs um, who will be the ultimate users of the, the local reports that are provided within Spire. So these are the the reports that run on the practice data and then provide essentially a a list of patients that are of interest. So it could be things like high-risk prescribing, could be uh, around identifying frail patients, that sort of thing. Um, So it's really around um, prioritising that sort of work and how we best deliver that to, to the users. It's then around how we sort of join up the different services that the ISD provide within primary care. So Spire's just one of those things, as I said. The others would be the LIST team, which are the um, local intelligence uh, support team, and they help um, practices and clusters, as well as health and social care partnerships and others, to um, source, link, and then analyse data. So they can be really helpful when a practice or a cluster want to know about how they can get access to data, how they can link different types of data sets. So, you know, that could be things like using their, um, say, uh, appointment data within general practice and looking at how capacity within a general practice system is affected by how secondary care's, you know, working, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, the other thing is the primary care information dashboards. So that's the platform that we can use um, in order to show... Um, practices and clusters um, mainly linked data sets so Spire's really for just the general practice data and showing them that so that's where they would go if they wanted to run local reports but the primary care information dashboards is where they would go if they wanted to look at say you were doing a cluster quality improvement project 
um, and you uh, wanted to look at compare yourself to others within the cluster, then you would be go going onto the primary care information dashboard to look at aggregate data that compares the different practices, and that could also be linked to secondary care data within that. Okay, so there, there are quite a few things in there. Um, perhaps we can kick off by um, talking a little bit about Spire. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Spire has been around for a little while now. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think it's going? What are, what are some of the challenges for Spire at the moment? Yeah, so I've been involved with Spire for the past year or so. Um, and I think now things are looking a lot more positive than they were previously. I think, um, you know, as, as everyone will be aware, there, there have been delays with um, the rollout of Spire. Um, and I think, you know, there are various sort of reasons for that. I think one of the big things was around um, care.data in England. And then as a result of that, how we had to change um, the, the whole concept of what Spire was originally for, which was really around a national data set, as mm. a national persisting data set that then um, you know, requesters could make, make specific requests for those data and, and now it's entirely changed from that and is not a national persisting data set it's a more the local reports were built into that which weren't originally part of that um, and uh, and then it's on a uh, you know, per request basis of consent so each practice needs to consent in for every request that they get. Yeah. So at the, at the moment we and you know now have a reliable version of, of Spire installed within the majority of practices in, in Scotland and I think that was you know has definitely been one of the other big challenges is the fact that you have to install you know Spire in over 900 different practices that all have a different sort of setup yes, yes. which leads to um, difficulties in terms of uh, you know how your the, the queries that you develop within NSS then not you know necessarily um, showing the same sort of information as uh, as when it was tested. Um, but now we have a reliable version installed in most practices uh, that allows us to now extract aggregate data. So very soon we'll be looking at um, pushing out different um, extract requests to practices because we can now do that. So one of the first things is going to be around the. Scottish Cancer Registry Intelligence System um, and asking for practice to provide us with aggregate data. Uh, so these are just, you know, data with just with numbers, not person identifiable around lifestyle factors so that we can then look at using um, the, the really rich lifestyle data that's within general practice systems to try and link to, you know, cancer data um, to, to, you know, uh, make new discoveries in discoveries in that area sure. and planned services. So, I mean, I guess one of the the, the, the um, challenges has been around anxieties about the quality of the data in, in, in these GP systems. And I know that you've had an interest in, in data quality. Um, so I guess um, starting out <coughs> would be to, to ask how do you rate the quality of data that's currently stored in our, our GPIT systems at the moment? Mm -hmm. So I think in terms of in Scotland, it's not something we know well at the moment, but from you know pu purely experience, we know it's, it's very varied. Um, mm -hmm. Some practices um, do it very well in terms of their you know coding culture within the practice and how they structure the record. And then other practices really don't have that um, same approach to it. Um, so that's something that within the data quality group of, of Spire, we've started developing our um, you know, data quality queries so that we can actually 
look and give um, you know uh, uh, know, specific information and feedback to practices around data quality and it also helps from the point of view of being able to contextualise extracts so if someone has is, is you, you know, is going to be using these data. It's extremely important they know the lim- limitations of the data yeah. and aren't just using it on the basis they expect that the information they're getting is, is all accurate. So um, those reports will appear potentially in the local Spire um, application on the desktop yeah. in, in the practice. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the other things that Spire are thinking about just in relation to trying to improve the quality of, of data or other sorts of things? Yeah, so, so, so there's the, there's the queries that are in relation to both giving gen, a general idea to the practice or general feedback to the practice around different areas of data quality. Yeah. So you know the, the the well-known examples would be things like patients who are you know prescribed medications but don't have a coded diagnosis of something, so they're given inhalers, for example, but don't have a you know asthma or COPD yeah. code that sort of thing. So these general ones that are just giving a sort of global um, assessment of the data quality within the system that helps can help both practices but can also help us to understand better the limitations of it. And then as well as that, there's a specific request. So when someone makes a request for um, data, you know, our approach is going to be around um, doing a data, a data um, quality query specifically in relation to that so that okay. we can tell the provider this is what the issues are with that and we can also feed that back to the practice. And the other thing is, I suppose, then more of a strategic approach that's not specifically in relation to Spire itself around data quality within the GP system. So yeah, yeah. one of the massive things is the fact that um, at the moment to do a data quality well within the record, it takes time and it's quite difficult um, and it's not that intuitive uh, around, as a user, just making it easy for us to be able to structure and encode things correctly. So one of the pieces of work that the data quality group worked on was to commission Spire and Snug to come up with recommendations yes, yeah, yeah. for the uh, new GPIT suppliers. Uh, and, and a copy of that um, obviously is visible on the on the Snug website if people are interested to go and have a little look at that. Yeah. So in terms of the things that, that practices might try um, to do to improve the quality of the data that they are recording, I mean, what are some of the thoughts that you have about things that practices could usefully do, even start to do now? Mm, yeah. So I suppose this is, you know, comes back to I think one of the issues around the fact that you know we're, we're never really taught formally how to structure a record and how to code well. Um, so that's something my you know my ideas around that partly from the research that's been done here, partly from experience, and partly from you know when I trained my practice was very, was very keen on you know coding well within the record. Um, so I think one of the there's, there's, a, there's a number of things which are really important. Uh, I think one of the things is around coding something in each encounter. So if you uh, are seeing someone and it's even for a symptom, putting a code in for that, um, putting in, putting a, a recommended code in for uh, diagnosis. So SCIMP have recently updated their SCIMP 800 list. So if um, practices are interested, they can go into the SCIMP website and get the most recent um, version of that, which was published this month. Um, and and says all of the sort of recommended codes, and that means that we're all using um, the same codes to mean the same things. Um, which means that when practices are searching for 
um, something within a practice for their own interest, they'll actually be, be much easier to find those patients. Um, the um, other thing is appropriately prioritising um, encounters. So when you code something, making sure you prioritise that for in a in a you know a rational way. Um, one of the big issues that we have are when you know initially it was moving from GPass over to the new systems and things would lose their priority or be misprioritised, and then it means from a relevance point of view for the user it becomes really difficult to quickly get an idea of a of a patient's um, really important problems uh, which can lead to patient safety issues yeah it's incredibly important is it because really that is the mechanism that often filters out the important stuff that needs to be shared across the piece yeah i do know that there are some sort of peculiarities with the way uh, those priorities are shared mm. things like Sky Gateway and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, indeed in, into key information summaries. So um, getting it right rationally sometimes uh, it doesn't always uh, work the way you expect it to. Mm. And then I think the other thing just to add on about the what we can do is just around the where we are seeing patients. So the systems automatically default to us seeing a patient within a consultation, but it's useful I think to change that all to you know uh, whether it was a, a data entry or whether it was something we saw in Docman or a telephone consultation and that sort of thing but as is probably obvious from my answer I think all of that does take a lot of time and some of and I think it's fine when these things are um, relevant to the care of, of uh, patients but yeah, I think the important message is it, it takes it takes time to learn how to do it well because mm. you need to invest effort and experience in, in educating those who are doing the recording. Yep. It doesn't necessarily take a lot of time when you're actually in a consultation making sure that you select it as a, a house call or a telephone mm-hmm. consultation. That should just be a good habit. Mm. I mean, we would probably agree, agree about that. Yeah. Obviously, uh, let's just move on a little. And, and uh, you know, obviously, one of the the key opportunities for Spire uh, was always that it would sh- extract and share data. Um, and clearly, there are some anxieties about mm-hmm. um, sharing data. And, and, and you alluded um, to the English experience um, mm-hmm. earlier, which was one of the reasons that um, we got ourselves perhaps a little bit tied in knots around Spire. What what? Um, are you thinking at the moment about the way that Spire potentially does share data and, and can we reassure people about um, the risks associated with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so I think it's an entirely understandable concern but within Spire we have a very rigorous approach towards the information governance in relation to um, data that's coming out of practices um, so first of all uh, all practices need to consent, so they have a choice around do I consent to this extract or don't I? And there's information on, um, you know, what what the extract is, who's who's requesting this. Uh, the other thing is that all of the requests that we get into Spire go through the um, prioritisation group, which is a subgroup of the the main um, Spire strategy and oversight group. So we a- assess all of these in relation to. Um, privacy impact and the usefulness of the request and then it's only if we're happy that the requester has the appropriate safeguards in place around um, how they're going to handle that data 
uh, do, do we do we approve that so that it then goes out to the practice? And so, for example, if it's a from researchers, they would have to have already gone through, you know, ethics committees to get approval for their research project. Um, if they are using um, personal identifiable data, then that needs to go into a safe haven. So, from the point of view of, um, you know, the safety of of data, from the point of view of ed- individuals, it's it's um, very safe. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I know that we have over the last month or so had conversations about aggregate data mm. and the risks of aggregate data. Yep. Um, because um, while you're right, the practices have the option to opt in, um, that creates a block potentially in terms of us being able to extract useful aggregate yeah. data. Yes. But where's your sort of head in in that sort of thought at the moment? Yeah, so I think it's that when we... Uh, so was, uh, when, when the initial... Uh, information governance framework and approval process and all that was set up um, it was the same approach to all levels of you know data extract. so it didn't matter whether it was just can we know how many patients you have who have this condition for example um, or you know what uh, you know what are compared to say personal identifiable data there was no real distinction about up around how we managed that and so I think my own thoughts are that with aggregate data, which is just numbers of patients and is not identifiable, there's no risk involved on the basis that when we extract those sorts of um, data, we um, disclosure control it, which is just around if there are few numbers of these people, then we would um, we can uh, change the output so that there's no risk to people being identified on the basis of few numbers who have a condition, for example. Um, and so I think the issue is that from the point of view of putting these aggregate extracts, so, so I think a good example is the, the SCRIS extract that I mentioned earlier, so this is just around, um, say, smoking status or BMI, um, uh, exercise, that sort of thing. Um, with this, when we put this out to practices, the expectation is that many practices won't provide us with that really important data, but it's not because they... Have, you know, specifically don't want to give us it. It's just because practices are really busy and they need to go into the Spire system and then consent to give that. So I think, um, you know, my my thoughts on it is that is that we probably need a different approach towards aggregate data extracts, and so that that can be that um, practices don't need to consent to every ex- extract, um, and then that and so if it's from a from a trusted um, body for example then um, we could extract that and we could do it in a way that doesn't identify the practice either so we can um, you know, remove practice details and I think probably most people would be agreeable with that as an approach um, in order to reduce the workload for the practice but just maximise the benefit of the of Spire for... Yeah, I mean it's absolutely critical that we get uh, a good proportion of practices sharing their data to actually yeah. give some veracity to the uh, conclusions that are being being drawn, and I mean, you know, in, uh, historically we've shared quaff related data mm-hmm. for many many years now, and uh, and while it was a contractual obligation, there wasn't really a great deal of angst about um, the aggregation of that data and the reporting mm-hmm. of it in, in a comparative way. So, yeah, I think that that's that's that's, that's really helpful just to give people that reassurance that um, there is real value in in agreeing to share aggregated data, but um, 
uh, there and the risks are, are really very very small yeah so looking to the future um, what do you think Spire needs to get up to over the next little while so the main thing is around actually being well embedded within practices and you know practices using Spire so it would be you know that we're moving from this being around um, the rollout of the software and much more around the users and how they're going to use it and maximizing the benefit we can get from from this from the spire from the spire system so that's somewhere that now we can focus much more on because as, as I mentioned earlier we have you know the most latest software the most reliable software in the majority of practices so that we can you know much more push push out local reports um, and you know really see practices using this so that if you're doing a uh, you know quality improvement project for example for appraisal or for in your cluster that it just becomes a normal thing that this is a really easy and valuable thing to use and therefore that's where I will go um, to, to, to that, that, that perhaps brings us back to list a little bit uh, and actually yeah. um, just uh, you know briefly to reflect on what um, the list team might be able to do to support practices or clusters in that yeah. in that way what, what do you think they could so, do so lists are in, are in every um, health board and so if a practice or a cluster is interested then they should definitely get in touch with the list team um, and that would be around so the list team can help them to um, access the different data sources so if, uh, accessing Spire accessing secondary care data sources um, showing them you know how how to use it or getting them in touch with someone who can uh, and then helping them with the project itself so around actually analysing that those data and then providing an output to them and so, so I do think they'll be really useful in terms of how we you know actually get the word out around Spire and the different services that ISD um, offer Sure Okay well, we've covered a lot of ground there um, one uh, left field question for you Keith what do you think the Spire team want for Christmas? Um, I think the flu report. I think the practices probably want that. So, so we, um, so so we're we're putting out the the flu report um, uh, soon, so we know we have a a working version of it now. So practices should be should be getting that pretty soon. And yeah. I think that would make us all very happy. Okay, this is a second left field <laughs> question. What do you want for Christmas? Um, well, uh, I probably. Uh, network server in my home so I need a new up to date network server because my old one uh, is now sadly very slow and not working well so that's what if I'm uh, lucky I'll I'm, impre- I'm impressed that you have a network server in your home at, home at all I, I'm guessing lots of practices will be hoping for that as well <laughs> given some of the issues around uh, Windows system uh, upgrades and uh, delays to our impending GPIT anyway thank you very much Keith that was uh, very kind of you to take some time thank you and uh, we'll probably come back to you at some point I'm sure okay thank you so there we have it thank you very much Keith for your contribution and it's always interesting to know what people want for Christmas so I've got Morag with me Morag do you want to introduce yourself and then uh, I've got a couple of questions for you Uh, I'm Morag Christie I'm a practice manager in Inverclyde and I am direct for Stuck. So, Morag, uh, what would you like to make your life easier for Christmas? Uh, I would like for our spire 
to work. Tell me more. Um, last year we were given Spire for our flu searches and later on when we done the flu searches we realised that they didn't really work. Yeah. So when we done our claims, our claims were short so we had to then redo all our claims manually. Okay. Nightmare. Um, we were promised then that this wouldn't happen this year and as it stands at the minute we don't even have the right. searches ready. And what do you really want for Christmas? My Spire to work. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, no, no sweeties in your stocking. Well, I would have made some diamonds and some cocoa. <laughs> some Chanel. diamonds and some cocoa Chanel. I think we'll settle for that. We'll drop a wee note to Santa Claus. Thank you, Christopher. Tell us who you are. I'm Chris Arnold, the GP in Montrose. Tell me a little bit about what it is you think you'd like for Christmas for supporting your IT in practice. I like IT that stayed up and was fast. Ah, we all want that, indeed. But what do you want for Christmas yourself? Myself? A keyboard for my iPad. Excellent. Okay. have a good Christmas. And you. So, Elaine, I know you really don't want to answer this question, but tell us who you are. Elaine Henderson. I'm a Senior Service Manager for the GPIT Reprovisioning Project. Okay. and what would you like for Christmas for the GPIT Reprovisioning Project? I'd like all the suppliers to deliver what they say when they say it. Yes, that's, uh, I guess, something that we'd all really enjoy as well. And what is it that you'd like for Christmas for yourself? A new soundbar for my TV. Excellent. Have a good Christmas. Thank you. So now I have Alex with me. Alex, do you want to tell us who you are? Um, I'm Snug's business manager. Okay. So, Alex, what does Snug want for Christmas? We would like as many new members as possible. That's an excellent answer. So how are you going to do that? Um, ramp up the social media, more events. Uh, hopefully the members will be better than ever this year and we'll engage with new practices that way. That sounds great. And what do you really want for Christmas? I would like a white Christmas. Oh. I'd like to wake up on Christmas morning and it's all snow and my four-year-old goes nuts. Make your own snowman, you mean? Yes. <laughs> I don't need no man. Christmas, darling, wherever you are.